Watch Your Mouth Podcast, the podcast about phrase etymology and why we say the things we say. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. He's my dad. And she is my daughter. And that's how that works. It is. Hello. Now, Father. What? What is it? We have a special guest today. <gasps> we do? Who is our special guest? <laughs> I think she's in the room with you. <laughs> that's creepy. She's sitting right next to me. Looking in my eyes, and I don't know who it is. <gasps> That's not true. It's Carol, your wife. Yay. Yay! You hear us talk about her, and now you get to hear her. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You yeah, talk yeah. about me? All the time. Aw. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. Well, it's because I love you. <laughs> well, this is an episode being driven by Carol. We've invited her back, and she has worked on this um, a couple things. This is something she's wanted to do for a while, this specific episode. And so we, um, she's going to be driving the episode, and we're just going to try to keep our mouths shut a little bit oh, and respond. Well, you know, but we're bad at that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> we're terrible. Um, Carol, without any further ado, <laughs> a French word. Um, uh, no, it's not. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> I think you're wrong. I think I know. I've, uh, I've do you? Yeah, I, you may be a French professor. We'll have to check after. But I've been in France, so. Um, all right, go ahead, Carol. So the topic is profanity. Nice. Mm-hmm. But we're not supposed to swear on the show. We're not? Dad gets mad. Oh. I do not get mad at you, no. Okay. So I wanted to talk about where profanity comes from, and it's phonological makeup. It's what? Phonological makeup. Did you just make up that word? No, I did not. What is the word? Phonological. I don't know. Milo, you probably know that word. I do. I don't know that word. Well, that's when you have fun at Chuck E. Cheese. No. It's from the phonology. Oh. Like telephone. Oh. It means sound. Okay. And and for the record, Milo, no one has ever had fun at a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> what? It's true. What does that have to do with anything? She mentioned having fun at Chuck E. Cheese, and I say it's never happened because the mechanical things come alive at night and murder. Oh, dear. Mm. It's true. true. Scientifically proven. Yeah, it's true. Sorry. Go ahead. Huh. Um, often will originate from taboo subjects, like what are some of the things you can't talk about? Sex. We recently had an episode on terms for the bathroom. Yes. Excrement. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, religion. Absolutely. Sex. Sometimes. Poop. Yeah. Death. Okay. Death. Oh, yeah. Right. Death. Death is a big one. However, context is very important. Mm. And I like to explain this to my students because I'm a French teacher. And sometimes when they're learning words, they say them wrong. And sometimes they're swearing without knowing it which is kind of funny to me because I hear what they're saying and it makes me laugh. 
They have no idea. Can you give us an example of that, please? Yes. Thank you. So when you say in French, oh, I have a dog, you say chien in the masculine form. However, it's when it's written, it's, it ends in an N. And a lot of students, when they're reading it, like to pronounce that N and say chien, which is the feminine form of the word and means bitch. Oh. So it's fine if you're talking about a female dog that that person you're speaking to also knows you're talking about a female dog or you're talking to your vet about your dog having puppies or something like that. But you don't typically ask your neighbor to feed your bitch while you're on vacation, right? I try not to. <laughs> it gets a blank stare and hostility. Which is what you get if you say chien to a French person in that kind of context. It's a little weird for you to be saying that. And then the word for cat, it's even worse. Tell us, please. You want to know? I want to know. Okay. Milo, do you want to know? I do. She probably already knows. I know. I do. Know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so the French word for cat is chat. And that's the masculine generic form for a cat. Mm-hmm. But if you pronounce the final T in that word and say chat, that's the feminine form, which means pussy. Right, cat. No. Oh. So when I have a student say to me, j'ai une chatte méchante, I have a nasty pussy, it's like, <laughs> wow, okay, I don't need to know about that in French class, but... So Milo, uh, there's an explicit warning on this one, is that right? We're, uh... Yeah, most yeah. Sorry, guys. I do remember this coming up a lot in my French classes uh, when it came to the word for kiss. Yes. Well, yes, the thing is, the noun for kiss is busy. Mm-hmm. But it's not the verb. The verb baiser is the verb to fuck. So the noun is a kiss, but the verb is not. Right. So it confuses people. I'm confused. Yeah. (laughs) I also had students do a a debate one time, and one student was trying to convince the opposite team that we should lower the the drinking age in this country. But instead of saying busy, he kept saying busy. And every time he said it, I squirmed. I felt very uncomfortable. So what was he saying? <laughs> Fuck the drinking age. Okay. Maybe that's what he meant to say. We don't know. Maybe. Maybe. He's a very angry young man. Yes. So so what are the, why, why do we use profanity? What's the point? I don't. Do you know? Milo uses a lot of it. She uses, you, you should answer this because they use a lot of it more than, uh, than I do. I don't use that much. Just more than me. Not a ton. Yeah. That's true. Yes. Yeah. I use it sparingly so it has a stronger effect. Profanity has a lot of different roles in culture. It can be used as an interjection. Mm-hmm. It can be used to connect people. So for style. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly. You can find out who agrees with you, who doesn't agree with you. I mean, you see that all the time in teenagers who kind of find their in crowd and kind of code switch to show that they are part of this group. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it can also be used to show emotion, anger. Or in pain, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Mythbusters did something on that, on how it can enhance your pain. They did. Uh, tolerance. really interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has all sorts of different roles. Another use of it is group solidarity. Oh, like kind of slang? Yeah, mm. like slang. So that if a certain group uses these words 
they're excluding other people that don't. Which language just does. Yes, right, exactly. Speaking of um, code switching, it can also, this can connect sure. to reclamation of slurs. Yeah. Uh, so obviously slurs and swears are different things, fundamentally. Mm-hmm. But like in the queer community, a lot of the times you'll see very strong language being used to connect uh, and to sure. like overcome okay. uh, oppression. It can be used as a tool to, uh, you know, overcome the words that have been thrown at people. And a lot of times those slurs also come with profanity. They're linked things, even if they're not the same thing. Yeah. Wow. I've also noticed with the... Um, People in the drag community that I know, they tend to use bitch a lot to talk to each other. Mm. A lot. Um, so what's interesting is in English, um, you may have heard of the seven words that you can't say on TV by George Carlin. Um, if you look at those, there are 11 stops of which six are the K sound and four are the T sound. Mm. And then... You also have a lot of, you have nine vowels, but five of them are uh. Right. So there are, there are sounds that tend to show up more frequently in our swear words. We have a tendency to associate certain things with certain sounds. So the lower, further back sounds like uh and ooh tend to be more bass and the e and ah up here tend to be lighter and more lighter in content as well as in sound. Mm. Huh. Um, so if you look at a comparison between boobs and tits, for example. And I have. I'm sure you have. <laughs> hey. <laughs> boobs tends to imply something more, I don't want to say comforting, but welcoming, right? Rounder. It's less harsh. It's less harsh, yes. And then tits is kind of more pointy of a sound, right? <laughs> as well yeah. as being more pointy. They yeah. tend to evoke the nipples rather than the whole shape, right? So you're saying that the, the very sound of the words, the ooh yeah. and the i, yeah. are what kind of associate with a, a more vulgar mm -hmm. term. Interesting. Yeah. it's So this happens in other languages, too, like in French. So I'm going to read... Five synonyms of the word grumpy in French. And tell me what sounds you hear repeated. Grincheux, rognon, ronchon, bougon, chafouin. Uh. On, lots of on. Yeah. yeah. Like a clear in your throat. <laughs> Sorry, I just got some on the microphone. Oh. oh. See, so, the, the noise I just made, a bad noise, I went, oh. You right? did, yeah. yeah. Automatically. And it was a uh, uh -huh. yeah. back was in your French throat. for a second. You were. Yeah. You can imagine that. It was no one um, else will. So there are a lot of studies on the emotional nature of sounds and the, the symbolism of different sounds, like what they signify to us. And of course, in different languages, those are going to vary a little bit, right? So we're not going to have the same sounds as other languages, but... Um, I find that interesting. I don't know. Do you, do you, is there a universality between languages of certain sounds having negative meanings though? Or is, is, would that be true? I, I haven't found anything about the universality of it. Okay. But, 
Um, one of the things that I find especially interesting and was going to be the topic of my doctorate if I ever got around to doing that is the difference in profanity between Quebec and France. Interesting. And in France, the profanity tends to focus mostly on those taboo subjects that we talked about at first. Death, excrement, sex, what else? Disease. Yeah. Whereas the Quebec swear words tend to be what they call juron mm. or sac, which have to do with religion. All of them. Like there's a whole list of religious okay. affiliated words that are used as swear words. So why do you think that happened? Do you know? I would assume, so I feel like I've either, I think you've talked to me about this before, so I don't want to go too much into I it, I feel like, but there's definitely, there's some cultural footprint there. Yes. Of what they value and mm -hmm. what there is power in devaluing. Yes. So in French history in France, they overthrew the nobles, they overthrew the church, they kind of, they're rebels, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. They just overthrew everything. So the thing that became most taboo or most powerful in France was stuff about sex, mostly. Right. If you want to express something powerfully, you need to use powerful words yeah. associated with a powerful subject. Exactly. And if you can't talk about something, it must be because it's powerful. Right. And every culture assigns power to different words. Yep. So in Quebec, what happened was... After the French colonists settled the Nouvelle France, New France, the whole area up there, um, there was a war called the Seven Years' War that we got involved in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, not, not you and I. But, no, not um, no. We, we weren't born yet. No, we're not that old. I just want to clarify for our <laughs> Thank listeners. Thank you. That's good. Yeah. We are we are getting up there, but well, you know we are grandparents now. We are newly. <laughs> Yay! Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> loving it. Um, so there was this battle called the Battle of Quebec or the Battle of the Plains of Abraham. Really? Mm -hmm. That's so dramatic. Is it? The Plains of Abraham. It's kind of like, wow. Is he sure? I it's mean, not a Dad, battles are pretty dramatic. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen much of history or like movies or books or something, but like a lot of drama happening at war. Well, yeah, oh, but yeah. come on. You've got Gettysburg and then you've got the Battle of the Plains of Abraham. Come on. What's got the higher <laughs> dramatic factor there? <laughs> I say it's the one with the biblical well, name. It was pretty dramatic because the French had this citadel up on the cliff and they had guards posted all around their citadel except for on the cliff. Because they assumed that nobody would be crazy enough to come up the cliff. But guess what the British did? They came up the cliff. They did. Oh, in the middle of the night. Like a bunch of little squirrels. Brits. They, yep. And they, they came up and they were able to get into the citadel and then overpower the guards. game over. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they won. Um, and they kicked the French out of New France. It was no longer New France. What did they rename it? Did they, they rename it? Do you know? Canada. Old France. <laughs> they, just, they just said, no. Yeah. They're like, this isn't uh, New France anymore. This is now Canada. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, they tried to recapture Quebec, but it did not work. And then in 1763, in the Treaty of Paris, France had to give all of their 
colonies in the north of this continent back to the to the English. So what happened was you have this group of French settlers that speak French, of course, mm -hmm. and have their own little life set up here. And they're surrounded by these English speaking British who won't let them communicate with their home country. They're kind of isolated. And the thing that kept them together, the, the source of their solidarity was the Catholic Church. Mm. And Catholic tradition became very important. Because it was their, your unifying. It their was their unifying. power, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, a lot of their swear words have to do with the French church or the Catholic church. So in France, uh, <laughs> feels really weird to say these things. <laughs> an, an expletive, like a long, like a really angry outburst of profanity would be putain de bordel de chiotte de merde, sa mère la pute, which basically. <laughs> Watch your mouth. Literally translated as like whore of a brothel of a shit turd. His mother is a whore. Wow. Yeah. Thorough. Yeah. Mm. An equivalent expression in Quebec would be Christ Calice de Tabernacle d'Hostie de Sacrement, which is Christ of the Chalice of the Tabernacle of the Host of the Sacrament. <laughs> Just like listing off the whole <laughs> bunch of. Now, would you say. I'm and gonna... that would be equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ask you a question here. So if you, you can learn a lot about any culture when you look at what their profanity is, mm -hmm. because whatever their profanity is, is an indicator of what's powerful in their culture. Would that be correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. I never thought of it that but way. But it goes back, it goes back a ways. Like it's not in the last 50 years, you know, it's, profanity is old. This is ancient. Yeah. Since the beginning. Yeah, of the since, language development. Yeah. Yeah. We needed a way to swear from the very beginning. <laughs> we did. Yep. So, I found a very interesting article that compared the different um, swear words in France and in Quebec, depending on how they're used and, and the, the power, the relative power of them. So, in France, where they would say putain, which is like their big F-bomb, um, it means whore or prostitute. And they also have a lot of softened what we call, um, now I can't even remember the word. Like, what's gosh darn? What is that? A colloquialism or something? Oh, or it's a, um, no, a minced oath. A minced oath. That's there what it go. is. Yeah. I, I had that for breakfast. Minced oats, <laughs> a little bit of milk, brown sugar. Mm, sorry. So they have little minced oaths like we do. And so instead of saying putain, you can say punaise, which means thumbtacks. But it's sort of <laughs> it a softened. Similar. It needs to sound yeah. similar, right? Right. I would. I. Mm -hmm. I will say. Th I'm going to start using thumbtacks as a minced oath because even in English <laughs> that sounds adorable. Just ah, thumbtacks. Thumb <laughs> like what? Did, did you just say thumbtacks? That's people. I want you to do that. I will say. I recently. Uh, I had a party the other day, and some friends of mine who hadn't met yet met each other. And afterwards, I was like, "Oh, it was so fun to see you guys talk. You were getting on like a house on fire." And she thought that was the funniest thing in the world. She's like, "What did you just say?" And I'm like, "That must be a Midwest U.S. thing because uh, down here in the South, apparently nobody thing. knows it." Well, it's because everything else is already on fire. The house being on fire is anything new. <laughs> well, I guess it would 
really depend on the culture too, because um, like in Florida, the houses are all made of um, cinder block and cement. Right? True. Well, yeah. Good so they would never say it down there. Yeah, they don't catch on fire as much. I don't think. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. We get a lot of angry email. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry, we're not experts on building materials. Pretentious that would mean French people professor. are listening to us in Florida. They, there's probably, if you're yeah, in Florida right I now, know. raise your hand. They're probably going to call me a pretentious <laughs> French yeah. professor. It wouldn't be the first time. No, it would not from a podcast we've done. Anyway, go ahead. So the equivalent of that in Quebec <clears throat> is calice. I've heard that. Which means chalice. chalice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of different forms of it. Calice, calice, colis. Um, Kaline, Kalik, Kaline de Bean, <laughs> Kali Bean. I went to high school with Kali her. Kali Bean? <laughs> Kali Bean. Kali Bean. Did mm-hmm. they say that? Mm-hmm. Oh. Sounds like a bad uh, <laughs> version of jelly beans. Like those Harry Potter beans with the weird yeah, flavors. You think so? You try the Kali Bean? What does that taste like? Profanity. Oh, dear. Sorry. So another very common French expletive. So do you know what the second most common French expletive would be? I don't think so. I don't think I have much, as much of like a cultural understanding of like what words are used in France right now. But I'm fascinated to do learn. Do you know another one? Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, merde. I know. Merde. That's it. It's used a lot. Um, and that's basically shit. And it's also used to wish people good luck. Yeah. Because that makes sense. It does make sense if you know the history. Uh, I bet we're going to find out. Do you want to? Yeah. Let's do it. Are you sure? Yeah. We're about that. So it comes from back in the days when theater was just starting and getting to be a form of entertainment in France. And this was before the invention of cars. So people rode horse carriages to get to the theater. And if a play was very popular, there would be a lot of horse carriages passing in front of the theater to drop the people off, which meant there would be a lot of horse shit in the street in front Mm, of the theater. On the stage and outside. No, not on the stage. (laughs) Well, in a a sense. So if if a play was popular, there was a lot of shit. So merde became a way of saying, may you have success. A large audience. Yeah. Interesting. It's also where we get the modern so, here in the U.S. the shit being a good thing. No, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's funny yeah. that it also can be good and bad here as well as there. It can, and it depends on the article yep. used with it, right? Like, you have to say the shit for it to be good. Yeah, it's wild. It's very, it's very interesting. So in Quebec, the equivalent of that would be usti. Usti. Osti. Osti. Which is the host. <laughs> Again with the religious uh, symbolism. Yes. And that also gets modified to esti or asti or um, estifi. Osteoporosis? No. No? That's a different thing. Okay. It is. So there are quite a few here. There is the equivalent of fechier, which is literally to make a person poop. But if I say il me fechier, literally he makes me poop. It means he really gets on my nerves. He bugs me. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Whereas in Quebec, you would say tabernac. Which is the equivalent of he makes me poop? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to start using that as a minced oath, Marlo? You know, what, tabernacle? He makes me poop. Oh, not he makes me poop. No, no, thank you. Il me fait chier. Good call. Um, 
bordel is also used in French for it means brothel. And yeah, it's used, Bordeaux. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's used. No, like, bordel. No, I know a bordello. Bordeaux is different. Well, yeah, that's, that's a city. Yeah, yeah. bordello. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were thinking, I was thinking bordello. Bordello. <laughs> I've been in Bordeaux. I mean, it was not a brothel. Uh, no, it was not. It was a city. It's very hot. And then you can have a bordel de merde, which is not a good thing. What is it? Well, that's not wishing a person luck. It's a a shit brothel. Oh, so it's a well. You don't want to work in there. No. Whereas in Quebec, you could use the word ciboire, which is another. It's actually I had to look up some of these words because I didn't. I'm not Catholic, and I didn't know what they were. The tabernacle is the little container where the host is kept, and oh. the ciboire is the vase where the host is served. The wafer box. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah. And then sacrament, just the word for sacrament, is also used in Quebec. Um, and then in, in French, you have all sorts of words that are like bastard, asshole, scumbag, shithead. I love hearing, I love hearing my stepmother saying all these words. It's a delight. <laughs> um, and I just, I'm going to just add one clarifier here is this is more than just you doing research. You lived in Quebec. Yeah, I did. As well. And you heard this, right? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I did. A lot. It cracked me up. The first time I heard somebody say, Tabernacle, I was like, why is he yelling about a tabernacle? That's really weird. Did you say that voice? (laughs) No. Why is he swearing about a tabernacle? (laughs) I did not. This next one I really enjoy because both is a French word for a redneck or a hick, which is kind of what they call. Quebecers, like Quebec is sort of the rednecks of the French culture. They're the hillbillies. They are the hillbillies. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Um, but it, a, a similar insult in Quebec is gros colon. You're a fat colonizer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to use that as a men's stone. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's a great. Fat colonizer. Um, so then you have... <laughs> This is really weird. I'm not used to saying these things out oh, loud. Come on. We're, we're in it deep now. <laughs> so to insult someone in French, you they often would use con or con, the feminine form, and various derivatives of that, like connard, connasse, espèce de con, pauvre con. And they are come from, though all those words come from the old French conil, which like a coney can mean rabbit, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Or a hot or, dog. Vulva. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Me neither. What about a hot dog? What about a now? Let's put a whole new spin on a coney dog. Okay. Hey. Oh dear. <laughs> Sorry. But that's what know. con comes from, and you can find words that are similar to con in many languages. Like all the all the Latin based languages have a very similar insult. Part the of, aforementioned c word, for example. Yes, we have that in yes. English as well. Um, whereas in in Quebec French, they'll say either maudit. Ooh, I said that with a Quebec accent. That was weird. I thought it was weird, too. I was going to call you out on that. What in the world? <laughs> Which means damned or cursed, and they'll stick that onto anything. Um, hmm. Or niaiseux. Niaiseux, which is like meaningless, stupid, empty. Um, in French, you can say salaud. To, interest, to insult somebody, which comes from sal, which means dirty. So you have salo, salop for a woman. Um, 
And in Quebec, I'm, I'm not sure what this has to do with, but un gros écœurant is somebody who makes you vomit. Oh. And they are a gross person. <laughs> so I guess, you know, dirty, vomit. Yeah. They're pretty close. Tracks. Yeah. Um, and then a couple that are in France that I didn't find equivalents for in Quebec. One is casse-couille, which is ball breaker, a real pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Literally, casse is the verb to break, and couille is the slang for balls. Mm. So, Great. Okay. <laughs> casse I do want to note for the audience, um, the only time I've seen this flavor of discomfort on my father is when we went and saw the <laughs> Book of Mormon together. <laughs> he has the exact same face on that he had great? when we saw Book of Mormon. And I looked over at him sitting next to me, which awkward. is a show that's very profane and very like uh, questioning of religion in some very flippant ways. Uh, and I'm seeing that face all over again. and I'm living that day. It's great. <laughs> It's not true. Okay. I look fine. I look totally normal. This is how I always look <laughs> when someone's using a stream of profanity next to me that happens to be my wife. Well, you're going to love this next one. Bring then. it on. Okay. So, se faire foutre. Have you ever heard that, that one before? Bad already. I do think I have, yes. Okay. Va te faire foutre. Okay. Basically, is what you would say to somebody. Like, literally, you're saying, go get sodomized. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, foutre moi la paix is. I would translate that as leave me the fuck alone, but it's basically using that same verb of being sodomized in that expression. With so similar to what we have here of like, <laughs> get fucked. Yeah. Like people yeah. will say yeah. that here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Get I sodomized. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in French culture, a lot of the worst insults of a person have to do with gay sex or oh, sodomy sure. yeah so yeah. enculé is somebody who has been a cul is an ass mm-hmm. so enculé is somebody who's had something stuck in their ass right um, right <laughs> yeah and that's a pretty pretty strong insult also pédé or from pederast yeah. is another really strong insult in france but those things have made an, of course, they have made an entry into Quebec culture now that there is more communication between the countries. But during that time where Quebec was cut off from France by the British, there was no commerce allowed. There was no communication happening. Mm-hmm. That's when this whole development of this um, language, the prof- profane language of the Catholic Church really took hold because that was their that was their power. Got it. And one of the weird things that I noticed when I was there, and I didn't even know what it was until much later, is they'll stick sti in to a sentence. They'll just stick sti in, add it onto words. Is that is that a, a prefix or a suffix with meaning? or? Yes, it is a shortened version of usti, um, of the host. Okay, interesting. That had to confuse you, and you're listening, it trying did. to understand, and like, yes. why are they throwing this extra what thing is on? Deep? Oh, yeah, I didn't okay. know what that was. And they'd stick it onto, huh. you know, the word for a car or study, or and I'd be like, what? But it was kind of like how American students will say, "Gotta go do my fucking homework," you know? Yeah, yeah, that okay. kind of thing. Okay. Um, 
Which was kind of funny because I was at a Bible college, but I heard all this stuff. <laughs> Bible college kind of said this? Yeah, they were kind of from backwoods. Sacre bleu! <laughs> no. That's like from cartoons a hundred years ago. Well, not a hundred well, years ago. Well, no, because they weren't cartoons. But well, anyway, you know comments. what I mean. I do. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, talking about that prefix suffix thing, the sti. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's very interesting is expletive insertion. Do you know what that is? A I medical do, procedure. I at your notes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey. No. Yeah. From know. Abby Hoffman in Forrest Gump when he said, Viet fucking nam. Yeah. Yeah. You can be very creative with profanity. You can. Um, what's interesting is those things are only put in in a certain place in an expression. Oh. You may have heard somebody say, absolutely. Yeah. You won't hear somebody say, absolutely. Why is that? Just because of the. It has the to rhythm? do with the language structure. Yeah. Oh. Okay. It has to be placed preceding the stress, a stressed syllable of the word. The yeah. expletive has to go in before a stressed syllable. And so while we couldn't necessarily come up with that on our own, what we could come up with is someone said it wrong, we would be like, that doesn't sound right. Right. Even in a made-up, inserted, profanity-laced word. So in, um, like, um, on The Simpsons, Homer tends to say goofy things like um, edumacated, right? Mm -hmm. And he sticks those things in there. Yeah. It's always right before the stress syllable. Oh, interesting. Um, So... There are a lot of weird, weird examples from this paper by a guy named um, McCarthy. He did a study on expletive infixation. And um, you can say, let's see, I'm not used to saying these things. I have to think about it for a second. Um, Instantiate. Okay, that's a word, right? Mm -hmm. Where would you stick? fucking into that word <laughs> milo i'm gonna pass this baton over to you in uh, fucking stantiate exactly yeah yes what about algamated with bloody amalga bloody mated yeah there it is yep. that's yeah. it so we know it just from the sound like it sounds right mm-hmm. you wouldn't hear um Unbefuckin'-leavable. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Like I like it, it but off. yes, it does sound weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to use it too, aren't you, Milo? <laughs> I'll do my best. You should say unfucking-believable. And that's because of the morphine boundary, right? Like mm-hmm. the meaning boundaries. You're not going to split up a meaning. It's morbid time. No. Yeah, and Sorry. kind no, of in, in inverse too, because if you, like we were talking about before with absolutely, if you if you move it, then you create a new morphine with different meaning, and that can be confusing yes. as well. Like, because if you're going to do exactly. ab fucking, absolutely, people are like ab. That's a thing, ab. and then fuck, and then yeah. get confused. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? It's wild. It really is a lot <laughs> to this. I mean, it's it's more than just like we're going to do an episode on naughty things. This is a very important part of language. Off absolutely, it is. It is. Um, and it's, I think it's really interesting how it's used um, because so many times it's, it's a, 
a form of inclusion and exclusion, like mm-hmm. identifying who, what group you belong to and what group the person you're speaking to belongs to. Yeah, for sure, because it it does even go into our my upbringing in Milo. You kind mm-hmm. of poking fun at me for looking uncomfortable. And I grew up in a world where that this language was not acceptable. This language made Jesus sad. Um, and we were not to ever use well, words like. I got in I trouble say, for saying "gosh" or "darn." I remember yes, I got in big trouble for that. I said Chrissy. My older sister's name is Chris, mm-hmm. and I one time said Chrissy Wissy, and I got my mouth washed out with soap <laughs> because I said Wissy. No, it I sounds swear. bad. It, I it will. I will remind I you too. I did grow up in that household as well. Not the exact household that you yes. did, but in that same energy because you very much carried that through, as did my mother. Um, yeah. Where we couldn't say "busted" because it sounded like a swear, even though it's not. Well, that wasn't. Uh, I was going to say that wasn't me. We couldn't <laughs> no, say that sucks either. Yeah. Yes, we couldn't say one. that either because that was sexual. Yes. Yep. I don't remember being. I don't remember you being busted for saying "busted" though. That I don't. Oh, remember. I remember that well. Well, well it has to do be. with "bust," which has to do with boobs. No, I, I, I got it. I got it. Thanks for the breakdown, though. <laughs> No, but it is fascinating. Like, I think that there is a generational divide there, right? Because both of us were raised, or all three of us were raised in in situations where swearing was very much frowned upon. Um, And neither of you do it much. But as I got older in in my generation, I think it's much more prevalent than it is in in your generation. So my kids, yeah. Um, But what really annoyed my kids was that because I study language, I'm just fascinated by all these words. And I would interpret things literally. So (laughs) when Alex would complain about that fucking teacher, I'm like, are they having sex in class? <laughs> oh, mom, shut up. You know what I mean. They did not have the anticipated effect. You know, the, your parents are supposed to be aghast and like, how dare you, Junior? You can't say such things. And that Carol is a good way to make to uh, swearing less cool, though. I commend you on your parenting <laughs> she, there. She, it she really just, annoyed him. Yep, she, it's she great. stigmatized it. Well, because the thing that bothered me about it more than that he was using naughty words, I was like, that is so boring. Yeah. You're not using your imagination. You're using the same stinking. <laughs> there, I did it. Adjective. Um, I used them in south. You did. Lazy. It's stinking. lazy. You're not thinking of good descriptors. Come on. You've got to come up with something better than that. And your next time on, I know we've talked a little bit about this. Um, there is some very, I don't remember where we saw it, but there's some different cultures that think of very creative ways of cussing someone. Oh, out. yeah. Like, I don't remember where we saw that, but they were talking about, may this da 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 And you're like, wow, that just took you on a like, ride. may the fleas of a thousand camels infest your mother's armpits. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. It's very like creative. That. Yeah. See, that's creative. It is creative. Mm-hmm. I I've only heard it from you, so <laughs> well, that that's quite a ride you have. Uh, you you took us on. Is there is that is there more? Or is that no? That's much it? that's about okay. that's about all I want to say. <laughs> well, you said enough, young lady, and you will have your mouth washed out with soap after this is done. I'm going to tell your dad. You said all those things. No. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. You can tell my mom. No, she won't she'll remember. Forget. Yeah, she won't. She won't remember. Well, um, I guess that's our that's our show, Milo. Uh, what did it? you learn you today? Did we talk about it anymore? What's that? What did you learn today? I learned that my wife has a potty mouth. <laughs> 
It doesn't count if you're doing it in an academic sense, because then there's quotation marks around all the words. Right. She didn't use right. quotation marks even once. She meant it. And now I have to question everything about us. Um, I what really See, now why? What power do those words have over you? See, here's the thing, though. The one thing I did learn is that you use profanity that tap into words that are very powerful in your culture because taboo words and taboo thoughts have a ton of power simply because they're so powerful we can't talk about them. Mm-hmm. So they do have power. They do have impact and meaning. So if you use them, then they're not powerful anymore. If no. they're used all over the place. Well, yeah. If you can, you can over. If you use them as a bunch, and they basically don't have any impact or importance. So maybe we should invent some new ones. Yeah, we will. That'll be our next episode, Jaron. <laughs> You're going to come in with some new swear words that we can use. We can we can and play test not, them. A, an interesting thing, though, a, a little aside, though, is there are. Um, when you read some fantasy books, uh-huh. like Brandon Sanderson, we're all fans of him. Um, his characters in his world have their own profanities right. based on what's happening in their world, Except which is interesting. They overdo it a little bit. Oh, for sure. Like they they <laughs> use the same couple of made-up swears Sanderson over and over. Anyway, what did you learn, Milo? I learned a lot. It was very interesting to um, go more into like the differences between... Uh, Quebecois French and uh, France French and sort of the the cultural distinctions there are always interesting to think about and it's just it's fascinating to me Quebec in general is fascinating how they've held on to certain elements of French culture and the French yeah. language for so long for mm-hmm. so long even though they're oh, surrounded by a sea of amazing. English it really is and so, so sure anytime you've... I learn more about it I'm fascinated I'm sure you've heard of Molière mm-hmm Right? The the yes. playwright, he did a lot of plays that we even went and saw one. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. The Imaginary Invalid. Yep. They've been translated into English. But he used a word in his plays, isit. Um, instead of isi for here, mm-hmm. it was I-C-I-T-T-E. And you will still hear that in Quebec. Three, over 300 years later, they're still using Molière language in their everyday speech, which just blows my mind. It's kind of like people using Shakespearean stuff in the same form as Shakespeare did. So, mm-hmm. Carol? Yeah? I know you, you. a lot of this you knew, but in doing the research for this, what are what's something that stood out to you that you learned? I was really interested by where you can infix mm. a swear word into another word. Yeah. Like that it has to come before a stressed syllable or an amorphine border. Or it doesn't sound right. Right, or it sounds crazy. weird. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that whole rule of the order of of adjectives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can say big black dog and it sounds fine, but you say black big dog and you're like, what? Yeah, I was thinking awesome. of that too because yeah. when you learn a different language, that's one of the hardest things to keep track yes. of um, in, in additional sure. language acquisition because every – Every language has different rules about that. Yes. Um, but it to any native speaker, yep. that is an immediate tell of like, oh, <laughs> that didn't sound quite right. Mm. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. <laughs> yes. Thank I you so much. appreciate your work. Yeah. Absolutely. We were so You're excited welcome. to have you back on uh, and to learn some new things and hear you swear a bunch. That made me happy. 
There you go. I'm glad your your night is made there, Milo. And if it made it you fun. happy, dear listener, then please drop us a review on your listening platform of choice or on Facebook. We have a group on there that you can drop a review in um, or an Apple podcast. Any of those places are a good place to leave us a review. It helps us out a lot so we can grow our listenership and teach more people about cuss words. Uh, all right. right. <laughs> Uh, we'd like to thank Silly Linguistics for being our sponsor and to Tony Gebhardt for our theme song. We appreciate you both so much. Am I forgetting anything? No, I think you covered all the bases. Delightful. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, and we look forward to speaking to you again next time. In the meantime, I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. And I'm Carol. Stay curious and carry a hatchet. <laughs>